You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we have the start of another multi-part series. The topic of this discussion takes us to the Pacific Northwest, and we're going to be discussing goose populations of that region and some of the harvest and conservation efforts uh, that surround that group of birds. Now, this this series, uh, we're probably going to have three episodes related to this. It's not part is not formally part of our waterfowl harvest series that we uh, have been releasing, but it is definitely complementary to those. And we think it's going to be a nice addition to uh, to this season. So we certainly hope you enjoy it. There are some uh, some sort of harvest complexities or uniquenesses that we're going to address. We'll also talk about how the goose populations of that region factor into some of Ducks Unlimited's conservation efforts. And so we'll see where this conversation takes us. But to help me with this first episode is Kelly Warren, a regional biologist for Western Oregon with Ducks Unlimited. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Let's start out with you giving an introduction of yourself, your personal and professional background, and basically what qualifies you to talk about Pacific Northwest geese. <laughs> Got it. Uh, well, I, uh, I live just outside of Philomath, Oregon with uh, my wife, Mallory, and daughter, Shaylee. Uh, I went to undergrad at Linfield College and then got my Master's of Environmental Management at Portland State. And during my Master's, my focus was game management and policy. And... That was real. I wrote my master's on geese um, and spent three years up on the YK Delta uh, in Alaska. In addition to that work, uh, I did assist ODFW. I had a great opportunity to collaborate with ODFW and WFW on putting together a goose identification guide to geese of the Willamette Valley and Lower Columbia River. In Oregon, you're required to take a goose test uh, in order to hunt geese because uh, there are some geese with lower populations than others that need to be protected. So hunters are responsible for identifying and differentiating between those different subspecies. And over the years as a hunter and a biologist, I have worked on assisting hunters with education and outreach and uh, learning uh, how to identify between those different subspecies. And then, of course, I did all of the uh, the undergrad work of caller surveys and identifying those birds in the field and, and gathering data as well. And you, uh, when did you come to Ducks Unlimited and, and talk to us a bit about what you do for the organization? Sure. So I came to Ducks Unlimited in August of 2018. And before that, I actually worked uh, for different state, federal, and I even worked for a tribal agency. So got, got a nice diversity of, of different organizations I worked with. Now for GU, I am involved in identifying projects with a lot of our partners. Um, that includes state, federal, and non-governmental organizations, uh, as well as tribal. Uh, we have a, a 
plethora of different tribal opportunities on the coast and in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Our goal is to manage water and manage wetlands, as well as assist our partners in reaching their goals. Kelly, I want to I wanna go back just a minute to, um, to clarify a couple of acronyms that you used. I, I quickly was able to decipher them in my mind, but I know what it is we're going to be talking about. So I just want to make sure that our, our listeners, uh, all our listeners, especially those in the East that may, uh, that, that may be unfamiliar with some of what we're going to talk about today, and I would probably throw myself into that category for the most part, but OD... Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to be able to piece together the right the right uh, the letters, but Oregon and Washington, their game and fish departments, what were those acronyms? I just want to make sure that people know that those are the agencies you're referring to. Absolutely no. Since I use those on a daily basis, sometimes I forget that people aren't familiar with them. Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife and w, uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Okay. And those are key partners in this discussion. So a, a, a couple more things here. I want to give you credit for coming to us in the Ducks Unlimited podcast with the this idea, uh, the idea for this session, this series, as it's going to turn out being. Today, you and I are going to introduce this top, uh, topic with respect to the, the different species and subspecies of geese that inhabit the Pacific Northwest and some of the harvest um, issues or harvest uniquenesses around those, around those geese. But then the neat aspect of this particular series is that our next uh, episodes will feature key partners in the management of goose populations out there, and that being the uh, wildlife or waterfowl biologists for each of those states, uh, Kyle Spragans with Washington and Brandon Recius with uh, Oregon. So we look forward to having them on as a follow-up to help us dig into more of the details about the harvest management complexities. And, and maybe complexities isn't the right word. They probably would, would correct me on that. So I'll go ahead and correct myself. But some of the harvest management uh, necessities with respect to those, those populations out there. And so we, you've been kind enough to join us here, again, giving you credit for the idea of this, this discussion uh, because of your experience hunting uh, geese in the Pacific Northwest, you know what hunters uh, should be aware of, have to be aware of with regard to hunting these these species. And so I guess to start the conversation about the geese of the Pacific Northwest, it seems the necessary first thing is to make make sure people are aware of all the different species and subspecies that we're going to be talking about. Let's start with the white-cheeked geese, the Canada geese and cackling geese. And I guess the very first thing I need to do is, I, I believe for the, for the purpose of this conversation, we're going to be using the old, let's call it the old nomenclature. Uh, there were some recent changes to the taxonomic nomenclature behind white-cheeked geese uh, by the American Ornithological uh, Society, where they identified Canada geese and cackling geese as two unique species, and then maybe some subspecies under that. Previously, I think they were all subspecies of the Canada geese, and I believe it's, the, it's that former taxonomic designation that we still use in the Pacific Northwest to refer to these different goose populations. Is that Correct. Yes. However, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has now, according to um, some of the other folks who are going to be on the podcast, have has accepted those changes as well. But I'll go ahead and, and do a breakdown of, of what those different subspecies are. Um, but yes, in 2004, the Ornithological Society made new designations for four subspecies of Canada geese and lumped them under cacklers. So those subspecies are cacklers, Hutchinsons, Aleutians, and Taverners. 
And a lot of people use cackler kind of broadly, but in this specific case in the Pacific Northwest, we're talking about minima, which breeds on the YK Delta and winters in Washington, Oregon, and California. So that is the the Pacific Northwest version of of what we're going to be talking about when we say a cackler. All right. So Kelly, I'm going to ask you for a bit more clarity for folks like me that aren't as familiar with the white-cheeked geese uh, taxonomy here and want to kind of dial into what we what we have in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm going to refer to a to a sort of field guide that you produced, I believe, in collaboration with the states. I believe you mentioned this already. But in that, uh, and my understanding is it's, it's being updated uh, at this time as well. But in the previous version, or at least the current version that I saw, there were seven, if I remember correctly, seven subspecies designations of Canada geese. Is that right? And kind of step through those just to make sure we check these off to, uh, for the discussion. So, uh, yeah, seven subspecies are found here in the Pacific Northwest of white sheep geese. And those are cacklers, Aleutians, Taverners, Lesser, Dusky, Vancouver, and Western. And so that that leaves uh, four additional subspecies that are found elsewhere in the U.S. Okay, Kelly, let's, let's sort of zero in on the subspecies of those. Which of those seven uh, are really most important for hunters to be aware of? Uh, and and you're, you're in our com- – this conversation here is going to be – is going to take on more of a sort of what the hunter needs to know type of conversation. We'll get into some of the more management details with Kyle and, and Brandon. But from a hunter perspective, we've got seven subspecies. Do I need to be able to identify each of those subspecies in order to in- ensure that I remain legal? Which are the, which are the ones are most important to be aware of? And how does all that kind of break down? from the perspective of a hunter. Sure. So, and when I actually discussed the seven subspecies, I said them in order of size. So you have cacklers, which are about the size of a mallard, Aleutians, which are slightly larger, and taverners, which are even slightly larger. And then lessers and duskies, lessers and duskies are, are in many cases about the same size. Duskies are slightly larger, but a lot darker in general. And Vancouver and Western, Westerns are big and light and easy to identify. In general, a good rule of thumb for people that might be learning to identify these birds in the field while hunting. If you're, if you're going to be able to identify a cackler and harvest those successfully, there's a very big differentiation between a cackler and a dusky, probably somewhere between six and seven pounds uh, difference. So as far as telling them in the field, knowing what cacklers are and being able to identify those is a really good starting point for hunters in the Pacific Northwest. Taverners and lessers are kind of the ones that you start to medium-sized geese in general. You're going to be starting to really need to learn and differentiate between what those birds sound like, look like, and and especially in different light. In the Pacific Northwest, we we are not sunny every day. <laughs> so in a dark light, we have, uh, oftentimes you're looking at a silhouette. So there's a lot of different identification that you're gonna have to, uh, identification parameters that you're gonna have to use in order to identify these birds. And when you get into the medium-sized geese, that's, that's definitely where uh, there's a, a much finer line than if you were just to stick with cacklers or westerns. 
We could talk about each of those subspecies in great detail if we wanted to, but we want to kind of get to one of the most important issues here. And so, as a hunter, you can't just go out and shoot any white-cheeked geese that you see and and you know not have something to worry about. There are there's a certain subspecies. Uh, if you actually go back in time, the Aleutian goose was the one that had some very had some restrictions on it at one time, but but it's now one of the uh, harvestable subspecies. But uh, in today's era, there is another subspecies that is the focus of a lot of the harvest management efforts, and that's the, the dusky Canada goose. So, talk a bit about it, Kelly, because that's going to—I uh, mean, that's that's going to be a big part of our discussion with Brandon and Kyle. But it's also a big part of what hunters need to be aware of when they go afield in Oregon and Washington in pursuit of geese. So, talk about the dusky, if you could. So, the dusky Canada goose, as I said earlier, always had a historically low population. Population at their highest, I believe, was in you know kind of in the 50s, 60s, um, maybe part of the 70s. But they have, were never a population like a lot of the Arctic geese in hundreds of thousands. So when that earthquake disrupted their breeding area, that caused their population to decline uh, over time and be more available to predators and predation. So in order to protect those birds, hunting restrictions were put in place. And I believe the permit zone, we call it the permit zone in Oregon and Washington, was formed in the early 90s. And it was its primary objective was to uh, conserve the dusky Canada goose. And in order to hunt geese in Oregon, you have to pass a test and you are supposed to get 80% on that test um, to learn and know the basics of what to look for in dusky Canada geese. And uh, so you can actually go on ODFNW's or WFW's website and take that test if you're going to be coming out and hunting in Oregon. You're required to have that permit. So hence the permit zone is what is what they called it. So dusky Canada geese, back in the day when the permit zone was formed, you had to take all of your harvested geese into a check station and have them measured. Um, and they measured Coleman length, bill length, they measured Tarsus length, and they actually measured different color. Because dusky Canada geese are larger, darker, and in general seem to have identification characteristics that fall within certain parameters. And those parameters were a bill or Coleman length of, of 40 millimeters and the Tarsus length, I am not, I cannot remember offhand what the Tarsus length of duskies typically is or what they were using, but the darkness, it had to be a five or under in the Munsell soil color chart in order to be a dusky. And the Tarsus is, is basically the, uh, the leg. The leg, yes. All right. So when you go to the check, yeah, this is one of the other things we wanted to talk about is how the hunting regulations around duskies have changed. We'll touch on this generally. And again, we'll follow up with Kyle and Brandon in a bit more detail. But uh, talk about how those harvest regulations changed. You talked about how hunters had to take their geese to a check station. What happened? What happened if they were identified as having harvested a dusky back then? And where are we now? How has the how have harvest regulations changed for that subspecies? Yeah. Yeah, good question. If if a dusky was identified in the check station, your permit was punched and you were invalidated for hunting geese the rest of the year and you had to retake the test over in order to hunt geese the following season. 
I believe about five years ago or four years ago, we went to duskies are illegal. Yes. So you are not allowed to uh, harvest duskies in the field. Um, and if so, you will be issued a ticket. However, of course, there's a lot of things that rely on that. So there needs to be law enforcement, et cetera. So as a hunter, you've been pursuing these geese all your life. How did that change affect you? Um, I guess the first thing I wanted to say, is we've referred to the test that you have to take. It's, it's a species identification test. You have to demonstrate your ability to identify what is a dusky and what is not a dusky, right? Correct. Do you have to be able to identify every other subspecies or is the key part of that test a demonstration of your ability to identify duskies such that you can effectively avoid the harvest of them? The test does actually have specific questions on other geese as well. So you need to know the general characteristics of all seven subspecies that are found in this region. Um, and that will help differentiate uh, between, it'll help you differentiate between duskies in the field. So how how that changed hunting in the field for me was you have to be way more. I mean, you have to be careful in general. Um, and once you learn duskies, it really is not that hard to differentiate between them. There is definitely some behavior characteristics and some other characteristics that that assist you in identifying them, uh, especially compared to small the smaller subspecies. But the you know raising the stakes on on making them illegal definitely makes people more cautious and harvesting not only duskies, but. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlantSport.com. Those medium-sized geese. Kelly, I want to transition here in just a minute to talk about the other geese species in the Pacific Northwest outside the white-cheeked geese. Is there anything else? Uh, we're gonna we'll talk here in a minute about different areas where we can where people find geese, where where the geese are most abundant there in the region. But with respect to hunting regulations, so again from a general hunter perspective around white-cheeked geese, is there anything else of importance that we need to leave our listeners with here? Having a mental checklist, if you're going to hunt geese here in the Pacific Northwest, you need a mental checklist in place in order to uh, make sure that you're not harvesting duskies. So, you know, what does the bird sound like on the approach? Is there a distinct break between the black neck and the chest color? And if there is not a distinct break, that may indicate a dusky candidate goose. Is it a small, medium, or large goose? You know, make sure that other birds are clear of your intended target that you have 100% identified. And then know what birds look like in different light. And refuges and other places where geese frequent and are less stressed and are up close is a really good place to, to learn those. There is no substitute for learning uh, the different subspecies than being in the field. And how much growing up did you rely on and would you advise other people that are just getting into this to rely on other people, find, uh, find fellow hunters to serve as a mentor in your identification of these geese? Absolutely key. And I had a mentor that definitely helped me and helped me understand kind of those mental checklists and 
you know, hunting geese can be exciting. So sometimes, you know, if you have a whole flock coming in, it's too hard to concentrate on one. Well, you better concentrate on one because sometimes these geese are in mixed flocks and that can be your, that can be your goose season. This is a question I wanted to ask before we left this discussion, which subspecies is most likely to be confused with the dusky? Taverners or lessers are, are the medium sized geese and uh, lessers, uh, especially some of the different populations that winter here, they have darker traits as well. In nature, there is no fine line. And so obviously there are going to be subspecies that overlap with other subspecies. And in that case, lessers definitely can overlap with duskies as far as those identification features that I talked about that they look for in the check stations, bill length, Coleman length, you know, color and tarsus length. Kelly, I, I think we'll move on from our discussion of white cheeked geese of the of the, of the Canada geese and those subspecies. L- let's talk a minute about uh, the other geese species that that are found in in those states, uh, snow geese and white fronts. Uh, and uh, perhaps just a personal question to start with this: Which do you prefer, uh, the Canada goose hunting or the greater white fronts or snow, or is or do you try not to discriminate among the three? In the Willamette Valley, you kind of it, whatever comes in is kind of what you get. Really, there's only a couple different areas in Oregon where you can target snow geese, and that's over on the Columbia Basin um, and then on uh, Savi's Island. We're definitely seeing increases in winter populations of snow geese, um, so in the future that may change. But as far as targeting particular subspecies, you know, w- with how large the population of white fronts is, you know, about 10 years ago, we did see kind of a slight increase in white fronts. And, you know, we were worried that maybe that was going to be like the cackler, where in 1993 and 1994, we got a huge influx of cackling candidate geese or in the new uh, ornithological change, the cackling cackling goose. <laughs> but uh, we never really saw a big influx of white fronts. So targeting them in Western Oregon is is something that really isn't there. But you can go to other places in Oregon and target them on the east side as well. So Klamath Falls, Columbia Basin, uh, there seems to be a few more. Columbia Basin, not as much, but Klamath Falls in the spring on spring migration back. Kelly, that's a great segue to one of the things I wanted to ask you is for those people that may not be as familiar with the waterfowl habitats and the regions in those two states where those habitats occur, uh, such as myself, describe that a bit for us. Uh, Where are we likely? And I know you've kind of already introduced that, but you may even have to kind of help us draw a mental picture of those two states, you know, and specifically where within those states we're talking about and what are some of the key habitats uh, that waterfowl, that the geese are exploiting in those areas. And of course, agricultural change can definitely change a lot of different goose movements and things like that. Um, I'll actually start out with the dusky. Uh, dusky, you know, we have seven subspecies in the Willamette Valley. Duskies typically are kind of loners. There are, of course, there are cases where they will interact with other subspecies, but duskies definitely, definitely like to be by themselves. They're not voracious feeders. Uh, they'll kind of stand in one spot, you know, in a field. What is kind of funny is cacklers are the opposite. They're kind of the annoying little cousin. They'll land with duskies and the duskies oftentimes will get up and leave. Other subspecies don't really tolerate cacklers as well. So duskies like water and row crops. Uh, cacklers like grass, open places and large, you know, they'll they'll get together in large numbers. 
there has been a shift in some agriculture that has limited the amount of grass seed in the valley. And that has definitely changed some distribution of those birds up and down the Lamont Valley. And then as far as snow geese go, there's been populations that have been popping up in eastern Washington, in the Columbia Basin, and kind of central Columbia Basin near Hermiston. There's been some snow geese popping up in that region, but that kind of falls in line with a lot of the population increases that are happening in the snow geese populations uh, north of us. And then Klamath, uh, that's huge staging area, especially during spring migration for uh, white fronts and snow geese and pintails. That's where a lot of our pintail population goes as well. And so Klamath, is, and we've had some discussions about it already on, on our podcast. It's in southern Oregon. And some of these other areas are up along the Oregon-Washington border, right? That's the, is the Columbia River that separates the two states there? It is. It's the Columbia River that separates the stu- two states from the ocean all the way up. In the, and then it actually separates Washington and Idaho into Canada. And then the Willamette Valley is where relative is the majority of it in Washington or Oregon or how does it Oregon. work through that area? Yes, yeah, so the Willamette Valley is Willamette Valley in Oregon and it is between the Coast Range and the Cascades. So those two mountain ranges uh, lies the Willamette Valley and it has always been a, a big agricultural area. Which do you consider, I don't know if you'll have a, I don't know if, if there's a real answer to this, but which do you consider to be more popular in the region, the Canada goose and cackling goose hunting or the white fronts and the snow geese, or does it just depend on where you are? I think it kind of depends on where you are. And to be perfectly honest, there's a lot of people that don't want to put up with permits and things like that and don't hunt Canada geese because of that. They would prefer to not deal with that permit. So maybe they'll head east a couple times a year uh, where they don't have those constricted regulations. Okay. And so that permit zone, I, you probably already said this, but it's in that Willamette and Columbia River Valley area, right? It is in the Willamette Valley all the way over to the coast. Duskies do winter on the Oregon coast. And then it goes up into up into southwest Washington as well. So there's definitely it's in both states. There are areas that are that there are maps that show where those areas are and what is considered that permit zone. Well, one thing that I definitely want to leave folks with here is that if you are going to hunt geese, the Canada and cackling geese in Washington or Oregon, make sure you understand the regulations. <laughs> Go to those the websites of those respective state agencies. Obviously, you're going to do that because you're going to have to pass those identification tests and get the get the permits. But yes, make sure you do all of your research there. Um, and and so Brandon is the the field guide that we referenced earlier available. Is it linked on? On those sites as well or would people have to go to a different location to find it yeah no there's a pdf on both odfnw and wfw that you can find that uh, field guide and that, that that's start but like i said you got to get into the field but if you live in a different state that's a good starting point for learning the basics Kelly, let's move now into a discussion about some of the habitat conservation that's that's put in place for some of these birds with regard to private land or public land. What can you tell us about uh, what's available or what's provided to help support these populations of geese? Sure. So a lot of in Oregon, a lot of the public areas, the National Wildlife Refuges and WMAs are specifically refuge for dusky Canada geese, especially the 
Willamette Valley Complex and the Oregon Coastal Complex refuges are specific to hold dusky Canada geese there as well as other geese. And the reason for that is kind of twofold. To keep duskies from going off the refuge and potentially having some sort of risk or threat of getting shot or predated. And number two, to keep geese on those refuges from depredating on agricultural crops surrounding those refuges. And then with hunting opportunities, the majority of the hunting opportunities are on private lands. And so forming relationships and and that mentor factor that you talked about earlier is critical in order to get hunting opportunities in what is I refer to as the permit zone. And then from Ducks Unlimited's conservation efforts, do any of our uh, programs out there, do any of our projects provide a direct emphasis on management of the of these geese or do we how do we factor the the needs of geese into some of our conservation planning and some of our programs out there? What can you tell me about that? Sure. So Dusky Canada geese are dependent on, as I said earlier, the refuges, the WMAs and also duck clubs for roosting. And many of the projects that we focus on are on WMAs, refuges, and it's all improvement of wetland habitats. Right now, with a lot of the agricultural changes, that has decreased the amount of habitat and availability, which is directly resulting in kind of concentrating a lot of those geese into areas within the Willamette Valley. We follow the lead of a lot of our partners when it comes to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Refuge, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Migratory Birds, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. If their focus is on geese and goose management, they inform the, the work that we do for conservation and what projects we might even pick or or work on to benefit uh, that goose habitat. An example of that is we're currently working on a project in on the Oregon coast that benefits Aleutians and Duskies where we are looking at design and project delivery for providing pasture habitat as well as working lands and water on a landscape on the Oregon coast on Nestucca National Wildlife Refuge to ensure that Aleutians and Ducky Canada geese have that habitat. In the West, water is one of our biggest struggles. There's a lot of efforts by our partners, the state and uh, federal agencies focusing water and water needs with habitat as well as migratory birds, it's critical. So our conservation focuses, goals, and objectives are centered around making sure that we don't lose those wetland habitats that are currently there. If we can improve them, we would like to do that. And that will assist not only geese, but all migratory and water birds, as well as other wildlife and fish. Fish is a big one in the Pacific Northwest. So it is a it is a good balance to to provide all uh, biodiversity with water. Kelly, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode. This has been a great introduction to geese of the Pacific Northwest, and certainly from a hunter perspective, uh, sharing the information that that they need to be aware of. And also, I, I'm quite certain that 
people in the eastern U.S. or east of the Rockies that are not as familiar with goose populations in that region and some of the challenges that they they present to hunters, the permit zones, the ident- the test, uh, the identification tests that people have to take before they can they can hunt in those areas, is likely unknown to many of us uh, o- over here. So I certainly appreciated learning about that from a, a general population and hunter perspective. Uh, we will look forward to our next episodes with Brandon and Kyle, where they will talk with us in a bit more detail about uh, how these different uh, populations of geese, the subspecies of geese, are managed at the flyway level. And we'll even kind of take a bit of a reflection on how those things may have changed through the years. But we look forward to them uh, diving into the details on some of those uh, some of those things and why they make the decisions that that we we have today. So thank you for your part in this in this series of episodes, uh, Kelly, and look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thank you. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Kelly Warren, regional biologist in Western Oregon for Ducks Unlimited. We thank him for sharing with us his information and knowledge and experience on white-cheeked geese and, and all geese in the Pacific Northwest. We thank our producer, Clay Baird, for the work that he does on this podcast and getting these edited and out to you. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time and we thank you for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.